Hey fellow brain pickers, how would you like to get featured as a guest on multiple podcast shows like this one and get massive exposure? Getfeatured.media will get you featured on targeted shows. They'll design a custom bio page, pitch you to the hosts, schedule a time, prepare you for the shows and promote you so you get even more brand exposure. Head over to getfeatured.media to get major publicity for your brand. Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Hi, fellow brain pickers, and welcome to episode 80 of Can I Pick Your Brain? Today, I'll be picking the brain of a serial entrepreneur who knows a thing or two about starting, growing, and selling businesses. In fact, he has retired three times. Joseph Isaacs has started, developed, and sold numerous businesses in a range of industries back in the 1970s, way before I was even thought of being conceived. His various ventures have included a construction company, women's swimwear, a consulting firm, a telecommunications company, property portfolio, a gourmet cheesecake manufacturer, and even a bank. Yes, a bank. His latest exciting business venture, which he co-founded with his son, is an interesting twist where popsicles meet alcoholic cocktails. Buzz Pop cocktails are the first and only adult frozen drink in a push pop. Their fresh fruit gourmet sorbets are infused with premium liqueurs. As they like to say, a full drink in every push pop allows you to lick your way to paradise. It is my pleasure and honor to welcome to you a business connoisseur, real estate mogul, creative thinker, published author, advisor, investor, self-made millionaire, husband of 17 years and father to three, but most importantly, a really great guy. Joseph, welcome to the show and thanks for letting me pick your brain. Daniel, thank you so much for having me from the United States of America. I very much look forward to chatting with you. And it's an honor to be part of your podcast this morning. Joseph, the honor is all mine. And all I could say is, holy cow, like, when do you sleep? Um, usually about six hours a day. Really? You managed to get that? I, mean, you've, I you've, managed to get about six hours in. I'm an early bird. So, you know, my days start about six o'clock in the morning. And, mm. and some days they go till 10 o'clock at night and others they don't. You know, it, it, it depends on what's going on. My days were a lot more relaxed before my son um, called me about a year ago and convinced me that I should mentor him and help him co-found Buzz Pop Cocktails. I was more into traveling the world with my wife and mm -hmm. enjoying myself a whole lot more with some very relaxed days. But mm -hmm. uh, the last year has been very hectic, but that's always the way it is when you're, you know, when you're starting a new business, when you're in a very tight niche market, when you have very focused goals and, uh, um, very, narrow uh, customer base that you're going after, mm -hmm. it uh, takes a lot of time and energy. But the rewards are always there. And it's usually 12 to 24 months later when the rewards start to kick in. And, and then you go back to uh, enjoying yourself again. I'm not doing this because I obviously I need the money at this point in my life. I'm I'm really doing this um, to help my 28 year old son. 
Well, first of all, I think that's absolutely incredible, and I want to I want to get into the story of Buzz Pops uh, and and how you ended up co-founding it with your son a little bit later on. Uh, but before we do, what were you like growing up? Like you, you've started so many different companies. I mean, when did it all start? Well, you know, back in the in the '60s and '70s, when um, when I was young. I started working at, at a pretty young age. It was 12 or 13 years old. I was delivering newspapers and then I was working in a deli and I was doing various different jobs to, um, to create money. And it really all started for me. The, the entrepreneurship started for me at about 17. I was in the vending machine business uh, up in uh, Long Island, New York. And then I got tired of the cold weather. And so I picked up and I moved myself to Florida. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, um, I didn't really want to go get a job, so I started a business. Hmm. And it was real easy in the 70s. If you could sell and you could market yourself and you knew how to semi-manage things, you could, you know, pretty much get involved in different businesses for a lot less than you can today. So it was an easy start at a young age. Mm -hmm. Um, I got into business instead of getting going out for a career and spending 10 years in college, I spent 10 years being a self-taught entrepreneur. So I've been at it for quite a while. My question though is at 13 years old, I mean, most 13 year olds nowadays are playing Angry Birds or, or, you know, with their iPads and whatnot. What motivates a 13 year old to start a business? Why would you, why would you need to make money at 13? Because I like things. And, um, it, the times were different back, you know, when I was when I was 13 years old in the, in the late 60s, mm-hmm. um, we didn't have video games and we didn't have cell phones and our whole <laughs> our whole lifestyle was different. You know, we did all kinds of things back then that you don't do today, like, you know, ride a bicycle without a helmet and cars <laughs> didn't have seatbelts and we had no video games and right. you could actually drink from the hose and you didn't drop dead. <laughs> uh, you know, you played outside until your parents screamed at you or it got dark. Right. There was there were no smartphones. There was no technology. So we were forced to do other things um, besides playing you know, baseball and some sports at that at, at that teenage age. I was very. um motivated by watching business and seeing how people could actually do something more than just, you know, have their nine to five job um, like my father had. Hmm. You know, he was a vice president of sales for uh, General Electric at the time. And and he was working, building somebody else's dream instead of his own. I decided to go a different path. You know, it's so at a very young age, I got involved in doing things that were pretty much either 1099 or you know, self-employed. And from from the time I moved to Florida uh, in the early 70s, I was ready to just dive into into attempting to become an entrepreneur. Hmm. Um, You know, we made a lot of mistakes. We did a lot of things. Some things didn't work. Some things did. But I wasn't I was self-motivated enough to be able to keep pushing on and hopefully the mistakes that I made then, I made once instead of five times, and, mm-hmm. and we just, I, I always had a knack for picking myself up, dusting myself off, and going forward with the next with the next challenge. So, you know, you develop those skills over a 40-year period of time, you get better at it. What, what would you say are some of the mistakes that you learned and, and what you did differently? <sighs> well, um, 
for instance, uh, when I was in the uh, in the cheesecake business with my first wife back many years ago, mm-hmm. uh, we had a very successful operation. We were actually the the very first dessert cafe before Starbucks was even a glimmer. <laughs> Nobody had even heard of Starbucks. It wasn't even around yet. And so mm-hmm. we had done that. And we got approached by uh, one of the major grocery chains in New York that wanted us to start manufacturing product and delivering it to them. And our big mistake was that we took our eyes off the laser-focused business plan that we had, and we divested into doing some other things, which actually turned out to be extremely destructive for the business model. Hmm. And so um, I, I made the determination from that point forward that if you're going to get into a business, you need to be laser focused on the business. You need to know exactly who your customer base is going to be, and you need to go after those customers. And don't be distracted by everybody trying to pull you in a million different directions just because you have an awesome product. If it's not someplace you want to sell it, don't do it. It's interesting you say that, you know, stay focused, but your portfolio, it's like, expansive so were you running multiple companies at the same time or did you build a company sell it start another company well in in the early days um i was you know i would start a company i would build it up to the point to where it had value um we would generate enough sales to where it had marketability and then i would i would sell it Back in the in the the 80s and 90s, after you know maturing a little bit, being about 20 years an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. I had the ability to, uh, or I developed the ability to be able to multitask even more than I was initially by divesting in, into different enterprises that weren't necessarily even in the same niche market. But each one of those enterprises still remained extremely laser focused on what the end game, the end goal was, and the current customer base. And where too many people get make mistakes is they become scattered in the individual business, not in the ability to run multiple enterprises, but in the ability to want to run one enterprise where their mind and their and their focus is not exactly where it needs to be. And it's so easy to get distracted and get pulled off into various different directions. Mm. And if you lose that honed in focus, you're going to lose control of what you have going on. Hmm. You know, it's interesting that you you said earlier that it was easier back then to start a business than it, than it is today. Um, I, 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 I don't know. I have to argue with you on that, Joseph, because I actually think it's way easier to start a business in today's world than in than back then, because you've got so many resources nowadays at the tip of your fingers. I mean, you can literally just type in anything into Google and, and you've got all the knowledge you need, you've got all the resources online, you've got market, a marketplace. I mean, Facebook alone, you've got, I don't know how many billion people, right? I mean, Facebook, it's one massive marketplace. You can segment, you could target. It's so easy, right? There's so many, I mean, the, the barriers to entry are, are usually zero. Uh, you don't need a degree, you don't need a profession, you don't need experience. Everything can be learned on YouTube. And so I, I honestly like, I think it's much easier today than it than it was back then to start a business. Well, so- it's, I, I guess uh, if you look at 2017, that's true. If you look from from 1970 to 1990, it was different. Both of those time periods were before the day and age of you know smartphones, internet, Google, mm-hmm. 
Facebook and all the other uh, great plays. Mm -hmm. If you're in a retail-based consumable or consumer-related goods product, the internet is phenomenal. If you don't make it today, if you have a good product and you can't make it today with all the tools that are available to you via the internet, then you're just not cut out to be an entrepreneur. So from that respect, I totally agree with you. there was a big difference between starting a business in the 70s and starting a business in the 90s because the times had changed. Hmm. As they changed again from the 90s to to the year 2000, 2010, 2015. So, you know, that bell curve goes up and down. It was low when I first started in business and the bell curve went up. It made it a little bit more difficult and then hmm. it started coming down again. And, and now it's at a point where it, it's extremely simple and easy to market yourself and to market uh, a consumable product. Unfortunately, when, when I started in business, none of those tools were available. So we had to do it the old fashioned way. Right. Um, even in, in 1996, when I got involved in the telecommunications industry and I started a, a regulatory consulting practice, I, you know, I remember when my my team was building the very first website that we had, there was no such thing as social media. It didn't exist. Mm-hmm. You couldn't promote yourself a- anyway. You had to do it differently. So, you know, I had to spend time and energy um, traveling around the country and speaking at various different industry events and making myself an expert. Whereas today, if you're an expert on any subject matter whatsoever, anybody can write a book today, anybody mm. can self-publish, anybody mm. can publish online, and anybody can market on Facebook. And anybody so, can get on podcast shows. <laughs> I'm like, sorry? And anybody can get on podcast shows. And you can get on a podcast today. There we you go. can get on TV interviews today. You can get on right. uh, I mean there's there are so many different ways today and so many different tools that are available to a young entrepreneur uh, to, to market themselves or market their products. That, so why? That so why? Didn't, I didn't have available when I was so young. Why, so had I, I probably would have retired 15 years earlier. So why did? Why do you think people are not taking advantage of that? Like, what do you see amongst this generation that people are not, or they're lacking in? that they're not building successful businesses because you built successful businesses in tough times. You built successful businesses when you didn't have easy access to a market. Why, what do you think is the reason why people nowadays, so many people are just not successfully building businesses? Well, I think it's, I think it's a couple of different reasons. Um, I think the reason that people are not becoming more entrepreneurial than than I was when I was younger mm-hmm. is for a multitude of reasons. Number one, um, everybody's still being told that, you know, the best thing that you could possibly do with your life is is go to college, buy a house, get married, get a dog and live happily <laughs> ever after. Right. Um, people get into their comfort zones and they have to break out of that comfort zone in order to even consider becoming an entrepreneur. The younger generation, you know, my, like my my kids are a perfect example. Um, mm-hmm. They're so wrapped up in doing things online and doing things with social media and playing video games that they don't they don't have the internal burning desire to go out and do it. And then even some people that have created a new a, a new product or have an unbelievable idea or have an unbelievable untapped market. They either don't want to come out of their comfort zone or they have no idea how to do it. 
you know, it takes a lot to start a business. Mm -hmm. uh, it takes a lot to start multiple businesses. It takes even more. It takes more internal drive and motivation to become successful in whatever that business is. And you have to sacrifice. It, it's, it's not an easy game. Being an entrepreneur is not simple and easy. If it was, everybody would be doing it. Mm. But it's not. And it takes that certain personality. It takes being able to, to fail to succeed. Uh, most people fail the first time and they just drop out. They lose their motivation. They don't have the desire anymore to keep going. You have to be able to pick yourself up and keep doing it, whether it's in, in, in different business platforms or even in the same business. So in as much as they have all the tools, I don't really think that they have that burning desire to get out of the uh, parental and media driven comfort zones that everybody's in to go about and do it. When I see young people like yourself in your early 30s that have been involved in business for, for you know, five, eight, 10 years and you're successful at it. I applaud that because not everybody's got that motivation that you have. Not everybody's got that burn, the passion. Um, one thing that I've been accused of yeah. way too many times is, my God, you're so passionate about what you do. What's the only way to succeed? Hmm. If I lose the passion in what I'm trying to do, and regardless of what business it might happen to be, it's over. Because I have no reason to get up in the morning then and try to and, and, and pump on. And too many people lose their passion. First time they get discouraged, their passion's gone. Do you and think, I think that's a, that plays a major role in, in why there's such a differential today versus the way it was years ago. But do you think that you're born with a passion or do you think that you can find that passion? Or do you think you can, you can create that passion? Well, I don't know that I was born with a passion to be an entrepreneur when I was playing with building blocks and Legos, but <laughs> I developed it and, and I... I got a taste of what being an entrepreneur was like at a young life, at a young age. And um, I, I don't know whether you could, I was smart enough or I had enough desire or enough drive or enough self-motivation to want to continue to go down that road. I, once you're successful and you make a lot of money and you have a successful enterprise, to me, in my mind, there was nothing else. That was it. Did anything regardless else, did, of the would, industry, regardless of the space, regardless of the product, mm -hmm. for me, it was all about entrepreneurship. And I don't know whether I was born with that desire, but I know I've developed, I've developed it very well over the last four decades. Well, you've retired three times. I mean, why can't you just stay retired? Like, what's wrong? There's obviously a reason. <laughs> <laughs> that's a question. That's a question that I get um, a lot. There. I guess my my definition of retirement is not the same as somebody who has a job and works for 40 years, gets the gold watch or the key or mm -hmm. the $1,200 a month, you know, pension or whatever it is. They worked for 40 years at a job. They're retired and they don't want to go back to work. For me, it's a little bit differently. Uh, my type A personality does not allow me to just sit around and do absolutely nothing. So when I say that I'm retired, I'm, I'm retired financially and have been for many years. But I will never be retired mentally. Um, my, like I said, my type A personality does not allow me to just sit around all day and golf or go boating or do the fun things I like. You can't travel <laughs> 50 weeks out of the year. It'll wear you out. So... I always have to stay. I always have to stay mentally busy and mentally sharp, and and so, I would retire. I, I would retire from an industry. I, I would be financially well off. Another opportunity would come about, and I would grab it, 
And I'd done that a couple of different times. And now, a year ago, I was retired and said, that was it. I'm done. I'm right. just going to travel. And then my son got a hold of me last uh, year about this time and convinced me that I should help him create Buzz Pops as a global sensation and not be retired anymore. So well, bu buzz a lot pops. of it's got to do with your mind. A lot of it has to do with your mindset. Right. You know, it's interesting because buzz pop cocktails like what it's such a crazy idea like what inspired your it, i guess it was your son's idea um what inspired him to come up with that idea well my son is a is a chef and he has been for the last 10 or so years he lives out in las vegas and uh, knows a lot of people out there and he got together with um a couple of his chef friends last year about this time and they figured out a way, they figured out a process and the formula to be able to take a signature cocktail, like a lemon drop martini as an example, or a Moscow mule or, uh, or any other type of drink, mm -hmm. and turn it into a five-star restaurant quality Italian style sorbet. Wow. They're all natural. There's no artificial colors, flavors, preservatives, additives, high fructose corn syrups. The only mm -hmm. sweetener in the in the product is from the nat is a natural sugar from the natural fruit. They're 100 percent fruit. They're under 100 calories. They're vegan. They're gluten free, fat free, real fruit, top shelf liquor. Mm. So he calls me and he says, Dad, you're not going to believe this. But my friend Eric and I, we figured out how to take a cocktail and turn it into a sorbet and freeze it with 15% alcohol per volume. Wow. And I said, that's not possible. <laughs> I've had tequila in the freezer or a bottle of vodka in the freezer for two years. It's still, it's never going to freeze. It just stays very cold. I said, how are you managing to do that? Right. He said, well, we, we, we created a process and we created the formulas and we have about 75 different cocktails that we can turn into sorbets. And I said, Okay, well, let's start off with, well, why don't you send me some? Make some up and send them to me, because uh, I'm in Florida, and he's in Las Vegas, mm -hmm. and I'll try them, and I'll see what the deal is. So I had I had just been to Italy the year before and was having, you know, Italian sorbets and gelatos in Italy, which is where they where they all come from, mm -hmm. and he sends, me this, he sends me this sorbet, and he's got them in these clear... 1960 retro style push pops like the ones I used to get from the good humor man when I was a kid <laughs> except yeah. those were in a cardboard container and they had Flintstone characters on the outside mm -hmm. you know from the cartoons yeah well Jason had, had figured out how to package it in these retro 1960 retro style uh, see-through push pops and so I tried it and I said wow this is really phenomenal the taste is just is unbelievable it's smooth it's rich it's not icy. It's not a popsicle. It's not a. It's not an Italian ice. It's. It's really. It's the consistency of an Italian sorbet. I mean, it's a chef-inspired restaurant-quality sorbet. Hmm. And I said, okay, well, that's all well and good, and that's wonderful. I said, how much booze do you have in this thing? He says, well, I've got. I've got a full shot of liquor. In each one of these popsicles, each one. It's not really a popsicle. Each one of these sorbet pops, hmm. push pops. And I said, well, how have you managed to do that? So I got online and I started doing some research. Now here we are. We're in 2017. I can actually find out the answers to just about anything I need to know in a couple of hours. Mm -hmm. And so I started searching for frozen alcohol, uh, frozen alcohol, frozen sorbets, alcohol pops, that kind of thing. And I discovered that the competition 
was all at three to five percent alcohol. And they were mushy and gritty and grainy and were having a hard time staying frozen. So I said, you know, I think this product, if you can actually produce it, um, I think we can sell it. I think we can turn this into a global sensation. I think this thing's got it's got a lot of feet and wheels on it. And I, I think we can do well with this thing. So. One thing led to another and we, you know, we put together the company, we put together the, uh, the deal, we went out, we started raising capital um, and started uh, planning to build our own manufacturing facility. We actually manufacture the product ourselves. We, have, we are not using a co-packer. Why not? We wanted to maintain the uh, chef-inspired philosophy. We wanted to be able to maintain the product quality. And then we started thinking about where we could sell these things. So everybody else in the industry was going after trying to sell their product in the liquor stores and they weren't doing very well. So it goes back to my philosophy about being laser focused on where your business needs to be. Hmm. So we came up with four markets that were totally virtually untapped anywhere in the world with a product like this. So the first one were the pool bars and the day clubs out in Las Vegas and South Beach and South Padre Island and Texas and Cabo and all the different warm climates, uh, you know, mm. Ibiza, China, all those different places around the world. So that was number one. The second one was major outdoor uh, music festivals like Electric Daisy Carnival out in Las Vegas, EDC, 450,000 people show up there in three days. Wow. It's an amazing it's an amazing festival. We're a vendor there this year. Uh, we're going to be selling there in June. Uh, we mm-hmm. got that wrapped up. Uh, the third one is creating a kiosk, a portable kiosk for sporting venues. So when you go in to watch your favorite football game or soccer game or baseball game, um, instead of just buying a cocktail or a beer, you can actually buy a liquor-infused sorbet, and we'll sell them there. And then the fourth market were the cruise lines. So those were the only markets we decided to go after, and we got very laser-focused on, on trying to um, – penetrate those markets versus being scattered. I decided I didn't want to be a retail product. I don't want to be on grocery store shelves. I never wanted to be a Walmart item or a liquor store item because I don't want to have to go through the costs affiliated with getting a frozen alcohol-based product on a shelf in a grocery store. I did that in the cheesecake business 25, 30 years ago, 40 years Mm -hmm. ago, rather. And, um, and it's I think very that, expensive, so I didn't want to go that route. We decided to take it a different route, and we virtually don't have any competition mm-hmm. in those market segments. Right. So that's how the that's how the product started. Uh, that's how the company kind of got its legs and got off the ground. But Joseph, um, I want to I want to I want to just touch upon I want to touch upon something that you just said because I think it's so important. Um, you mentioned, and you've mentioned this numerous times now in this in this. Uh, chat that we're having that you want you need to stay laser focused and that's the key right everything that you've done essentially has that's been successful has been all about being laser focused and the times that you failed in business is the times when you took your eye off the ball and you got distracted and i think that's so so important for for people to hear because 
do you remember when I asked you the question before earlier on? I said, why is it that in 2017, where we have got everything at our disposal, we've got the internet and we've got like, there's, there's, there's nothing stopping anybody from getting on podcast shows or getting their name out there or Facebook ads or YouTube videos that there's so much we can do. There's so, and it's so easy for such, and you don't even need to spend money. Right. Whereas in the olden days, it was a lot harder. But now I get it. I think I get it. I understand the answer to the question which I asked you, which was why is it that so many people nowadays are not growing successful businesses if we have so much opportunity? The answer is, is because we've got so much opportunity. It's almost like a double edged sword. Right. On the one hand, yes, there's no limitations. We could do anything. And on the other hand, that's the problem is that people go into business and they think, ooh, Facebook, ooh, YouTube, ooh, Instagram, ooh, Google, ooh, podcast shows, ooh, uh, networking events, ooh, we'll do, like, and they just do everything because why not, right? It's so easy. Why don't I just do this and do this and do this and do this and do this? And then what happens is we just get overwhelmed and we're not laser focused, which means we're all, we're all over the place. So we're not really doing anything well. We're kind of just doing a little bit of this and a little bit of that and nothing's really powerful. And I think that's the reason why in this generation, so many people are, are failing at building successful businesses. The ones that are succeeding are the ones that are doing what you've done, Joseph, which is you've been laser focused. You know, I love the fact that you picked four markets and you stuck with those four and you said, that's it. That's what we're going. You could conquer the world with your buzz pops. You can get them in Costco, get them in, uh, you know, in Walmart and all. But no, you said, I'm shutting those opportunities off. I'm not going to even look at them. I'm focusing on what I'm doing. And it's really hard to do that because, you know, it's kind of like when you get married, right? It's funny because essentially when you get married to one girl, you're saying no to like... <laughs> Yeah, the rest Mill of the world. The rest <laughs> of the world, right? So, right, it's the hardest thing if you think about it. You're literally cutting yourself off from every other woman, or vice versa. If a you know, woman gets married to a man, she's cutting right. herself off from every other man. And and but that's but that's the only way you can really get a build a deep, meaningful relationship is you stick to one woman, right? It's the same thing in business. You stick to one thing, one thing, and that's how you become successful. I love it. The, the problem, the problem that I, I agree with you, first of all, I agree with your analysis of my statements, 100%. People get distracted. You know, even with Buzz Pops, I mean, we've had, we've had companies come to us, will you sell these in 7-Eleven? Not today. I'm, I'm too busy doing other things. I have a franchise model we're working on. Mm -hmm. I have an international licensee deal that we've put together. Um, the other thing is is today is is today with with all of the the tools that are available at your disposal, um, if you have the ability to reach out to people, you can pretty much get anything done that you want. And and Buzz Pops is a is a good example of that. Um, I'm I'm a a fan of the show Shark Tank. Oh, so I, am I. do they show it over there in Israel? <laughs> oh, I love Shark Tank. I literally the one what? from America. Or I watch, do they have your own version? No, I watch. I know some every, countries have got their own version now. No, I watch every episode of Shark Tank. I absolutely right. love it. And and I watch that show to look at to see what types of new products are coming about and some of the 
cockamamie crazy things that people invent <laughs> and some of the harder things that people go on the show with and some <laughs> of the great things that people go on the show with. And the other reason that I watch it is because uh, I want to see what the reaction from the investors are, from the sharks are. I want to see what those guys, what are those guys actually thinking when they're, when they're taking a piece of a company. Hmm. So one of the things, one of the other things that I've learned to do in the last 20 years is that you can't build a business with one person. You need to have a team and you need to put together a team of people that are extremely successful in their own rights and can bring something to your team that'll help you become successful. And so one of the things that I was able to do very, very early on, we did this last, um, I believe it was October before we had even completed building out our facility or started manufacturing product is I decided I was going to go out and go after a shark. Hmm. But I didn't do it on Shark Tank. <laughs> Interesting. I did it the old fashioned way. As I just started reaching out to anybody and everybody that I knew. And I was fortunate enough to, uh, to get invited to a seminar that was going on down in St. Petersburg last September, October. And the guy that was speaking at the seminar was a guy by the name of Kevin Harrington, who is the original shark on Shark Tank. Oh, I know Kevin. He's coming on my show next week. Kevin's going to be on your show next week? Yeah. Oh, Kevin is an amazing individual. So I decided to go after Kevin. It turns out Kevin lives in St. Petersburg. He lives 20 miles down the street from me. Wow. <laughs> and so I got introduced and we started chatting and we talked about Buzz Pops. And well, Kevin is now, Kevin owns a piece of our company. Wow. And Kevin sits on our board of directors and he's, and his marketing company is act as advisors to Buzz Pop Cocktails. Wow. So we did that with, we did that with Kevin. Um, we then reached out to another guy who's based out of Las Vegas. His name is a Benson Reisman. Benson is about a 40-year entrepreneur. He's the same age as I am. We're all about the same age. And uh, Benson was responsible for the invention of the rechargeable debit card. Really? Yeah. And he sold his business, I guess, about six or seven years ago, made a tremendous amount of money. And then he started a company called Bensia uh, Enterprises, which is a think tank for new entrepreneurs. Okay. So I reached out to Benson. Benson is an investor in our company and also sits on our board of directors. And then a couple of months ago, we were having some issues trying to wrap up some of our liquor licensing situations in Las Vegas. So I got introduced to a guy by the name of Ross Miller. Well, Ross Miller is the ex-secretary of state for the state of Nevada. His father is the longest running governor for the state of Nevada. And he's actually going to be running for governor in 2018. Hmm. He sits on our board of directors. Wow. So then I had to go find me some marketing and some branding people because when you're building manufacturing and you're trying to do international distribution and all kinds of things, you need some branding people because there's just not enough hours in a day for one guy to do all that. Mm-hmm. So I was fortunate enough to meet um, a group of women that, owned another company uh, called um, Buzz Media or something like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, Patty Dominguez 
came from Kraft Foods. She was the director of marketing and launch of new products for Kraft with a with a five hundred million dollar a year budget. Wow! So Patty came on our team, and she brought her partner with her, uh, Pam Herman. And so we've added a team of people. There's a couple of others. We've we've got a um, a marketing and sales guy that's 25 years of promotions in Las Vegas. So anyway, it's all about the teamwork. It's not about I anymore. It used to be more about I 30 years ago. Today, it's more about if you want to build a global brand, you have to build a global team. Hmm. And one of my fortes has always been uh, not having any fear of reaching out to people that I don't know that would be beneficial to the enterprise that I'm attempting to build. And so um, I've been able to to take the previous successes in doing that and reach out to the right people and pull the right people in on our team to help us build this organization that's that's going global. So I think that's a very important piece of the puzzle, too. And a lot of entrepreneurs, in as much as they would like to be able to do that, they either they don't have a chutzpah, they don't have the knowledge, they don't have the ability or they just have the fear and, and the fear overcomes them and they can't just reach out and do it. I mean, mm-hmm. I did that with you. Yeah. I saw what you were doing. I said, well, this sounds like this ought to be a great business business show. I see the types of people that you're you're interviewing. And I and I did the same thing. I reached out and we got to talking. And before you know it, here I am on your podcast. So there's a lot of things that you can do nowadays if you have the um if you have the internal drive and you have no fear, I have yeah. no fear when it comes to business. What's yes. the worst that somebody will say? No, I'll go right. to the next one. <laughs> you just love move on it. to the next guy. Okay, this one didn't work. I go to the next guy. Right. So, but building teamwork is important. It's extremely important. And, and I, I mean, we love Kevin. Kevin is just, um, when it comes to selling product and, and the, the, you know, the creator of the infomercial and, all the billions of dollars worth of consumer goods that he's managed to sell and market over the years. I, I mean, the guy is, is like a rocket scientist of, of, of business. He's just a phenomenal individual. And I, we, we love having him part of our organization and, and being able to pick his brain like you're <laughs> doing with me. And I'm really glad to hear he's going to be on your show next week. Yeah, well, you know what? That's something that people ask me all the time as well. They say, Daniel, how do you get these guests on your show? It's it's crazy. Like, I've had the smartest man alive and, you know, the leading FBI hostage negotiator. And I've had, you know, celebrities and, and biz, you know, multi, multi-millionaires. I'm getting a billionaire on my show. Um, and I always say the same thing. I say, it, I just ask. Like, it's really that simple. I just ask them. And you know what? Sometimes I'll get a no and sometimes I'll get, well, try me again in a couple of months or whatever it is. And then it's just about following up and not giving up and slowly, slowly you build up and you build up. And, you know, the more guests that I've had on my show that are, you know, sort of well-known guests, the more likely that now other people are like, oh, you've had this and this person on your show. Well, in that case, I'm going to come on your show. So you really only have to get the first few and then afterwards, yeah, you get, it's, much, it's a real snowball you know, effect, isn't it? Yeah, it's much easier. Yeah. Like, I bet you, when you got Kevin Harrington as a, as you know as a guy on your board of directors, I bet you it was much easier than to get anyone you want because you'll be like, well, Kevin Harrington's on the board. Oh, Kevin's on the board. Oh, if that's the case, then yeah, this must be you know worthwhile. Yeah, I'd like so, to be on the board. I'd like to be on the board too. Or yeah. how can we help you do the things that you want to do? Just because 
Kevin's Kevin and his team are are affiliated with us from a marketing perspective. So, mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it, it today's day and age, you have the ability with the tools to open up more doors than we would have ever had years ago. I mean, you know, twenty five years ago, I don't think I would have been able to get a guy like Kevin Harrington. Um, you know, looking him up in the phone book. <laughs> if you can remember what that is, yeah, you know, and trying to find them and trying to figure out how to get a hold of them and call them and do all that mm -hmm. was, was it was cost prohibitive, number one, but it was it was time would never have worked today. You can do that. Um, and those who don't take advantage of the tools that are at their disposal are missing the boat as well. Not that you need to be scattered with respect to what it is that you're doing to try to build your business, but you need to utilize the tools that are that are out there that are free um, and don't cost you anything and don't eat up your budgets to get to where you want to be. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem that a lot of people have. They just don't know how to use the tools that are right in front of them. Right. Um, you, you know, you talk to salespeople all the time and they say, well, I'm not cold calling. I'm not going to call some stranger up. I'm not going to go knock on somebody's door. Give me, give me the leads and I'll go out and sell them. We didn't have that stuff 40 years ago. 40 years ago, if you wanted to go see somebody, you had to get in your car and go see him. <laughs> right. We didn't have cell phones. So, you know, <laughs> you, you had to go to a pay phone and pay a quarter to make a call. It, it's, it's today, it's, it's too easy today in, in certain ways. From a technological standpoint, it's too easy today. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the, that's the problem. That's and I think that that is exactly what's holding so many people back. Is it's too easy, and so everybody kind of just jumps around trying to do everything, and nobody becomes. Very few people become remarkable because to become remarkable, you've got to be really, really good at at one thing, you know, at a specific thing. Um, and so I, I guess you know, in, for for our listeners, you know, my challenge to to the people listening to this is to really sit down with yourself uh, when you finish listening to this and, and, and really think about it deeply. Like really go into yourself and think about, you know, what is it that you really want? Because I can guarantee you one thing, in today's world, you can have it all. You can literally have whatever you want. I really truly believe it. But you've got to know what you want, otherwise you won't get it. Right? If, you, if you're not 100% sure, if you don't have a laser-focused, driven passion towards something, then you're always going to be like just running around like a headless chicken. And I think that's the, 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 the most important thing that I've taken out of this conversation with you, Joseph, is that it's really all about the focus. It's yes, there's drive and there's passion and, and you can get that. In fact, there's so many YouTube videos and podcast shows that you can watch or listen to that will give you all the motivation you need. You know, just go on, you know, YouTube and type in Tony Robbins or go to TED Talks and listen to some of the, and or listening to this interview, listening to Joseph's story. It's, it's so inspirational. It's so motivational. We've got access to so much motivation and inspiration, but, but what are we doing with that? We're kind of just like, like, like we're, 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 we're like pushing down on the gas pedal of a car, but we're not going anywhere. We're not putting it into gear. We're not like deciding, okay, well, where are we going? We're kind of just flying in everywhere. And I think that you're, you're you know, absolutely right. Motivation is everywhere. And I hope that some of the people listening to this podcast 
uh, will be motivated by my story. Uh, but you're right. You can get online. You can go listen to Tony Robbins all day long yeah. about goals and goal-driven and motivation. And But if you don't have that self-determination and that self-drive and that self-discipline and laser focus on where you want to be and the goals to get there and the ability to kind of have tunnel vision a little bit until you reach the end of the tunnel, you're never going to make it. You're going to be the most motivated guy in the world that can't <laughs> succeed. Right. I and, love it. You know, and, and you can apply that to not just your business life, but to your, to your educational life, to your business life, to your personal life. Mm. It, it, it really go. It's really a, a way of life. And yeah, yeah, it's the only it's the only way that I know that I've been able to build for for many years to get to where I want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it takes a lot of self discipline too. You know, to be in business for yourself is really tough. I remember, I'll tell you a quick story um, before we go. Back in the late '90s, when I started uh, ISG Telecom Consultants and turned turned that company into one of the largest regulatory firms for the telecommunications industry um, in the United States, the first thing I went and did was I got a big office, <laughs> and we had, you know, we had a, a dozen attorneys. We had about 25 people working for us, and spent a fortune on this office. And I and the office was about five miles from my house, and my son was about 10, 12 years old at the time. And I was a single father. And I used to drop, get up at, at you know five o'clock in the morning and get the kid off to school and then leave at six and get to my office. And I'm driving three, four miles down the road. And I'm there all day and I'm coming back at, you know, it, it's getting dark for dinner. And I woke up one morning and I said, why am I doing this? Why am I driving to this big, huge office? I never see my clients because they're all over the world. So it's not like I need this big office to impress anybody. I don't, I'm not impressed by it. It doesn't do anything for me. Maybe my employees aren't going to be impressed by it either. So I went into work one day and I called a staff meeting and I said, effective next Monday, ISG Telecom is going to become a virtual company. Wow. And this was back when? How long ago? This was in 98. 99. Wow. wow. Okay. okay. I said, ISG is going to become a virtual company. I wasn't even quite sure how the heck that was going to work yet. We were just on the forefront of the internet and all those things. I said, but this will be easy. I said, I'll get everybody an AOL dial-up account. Oh, my <laughs> you know, God. Don't I'll remind me. I'll get a laptop. You can plug in. I'll pay for your phone bill. And we're all going to work on a virtual basis. And I'll talk to everybody every day. And I'm going to go home. And I'm going to work in my shorts and stare out at the pool. Hmm. And be there when my kid comes home from school and I'm going to have, you know, a little bit better quality of, of, of life being a single father. And I thought to myself for certain that 20 people were going to quit on the spot. And they didn't. We lost two people out of, out of two dozen and everybody else went virtual and I, I got rid of the office and the, the money that I saved on the office was 10 times more than it cost me to get everybody, a, you know, a laptop and a dial up connection because that's all we had back then. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't even ISDN at the time and, and a phone and it was so easy. And I said, OK, we're just going to have a conference call every morning and I'll tell everybody what they need to do. And here's the files everybody needs to work on. And I'm going to try to do this thing. And uh, it worked really well for about 15 years and 
the point that I was trying to make is that when you go and you work virtual, I've been working out of my house now for for a long time, 25 years. And you have to be motivated to get up in the morning before everybody else and start your day and be focused on what it is that you're doing and have your to-do lists and work through them. And at the end of the day, feel like you've gotten something accomplished because there's nobody standing over you telling you where you need to go or what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And you're not interacting with 50 other employees throughout the course of the day. So in my mind, you have to be much more laser focused. You have to be much more self-motivated. You have to be self-disciplined. You have to be creative in order to get anything done during the course of that space. I know a lot of people today that if I said, okay, I'm going to make you a virtual employee, they'd be sitting around playing video games all day or watching YouTube <laughs> and they get absolutely nothing done. Maybe that's right. part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of distractions. There's we too live many in a- distractions for people. They can't, and that's not everybody. I mean, there's a lot of super successful young people today. So I'm not trying yeah. to take anything away from the from the folks that have, are, are taking the time and energy to do what they need to do. Mm-hmm. But it does take a it does take a lot of self discipline, mm. and many people just don't have it. Um, Joseph- it takes a lot to be self taught. If I gave you, you know, a, on each subject, so one thing that I've managed to do successfully over the last 40 years is I've managed to look at industries, figure out what's missing from it, go start something to fill that void and become successful at it, not knowing anything about it. Right. And I become, I become the industry leader and the go-to guy for a business that three years earlier, I didn't know anything about or an mm-hmm. industry I knew absolutely nothing about. And ISG was a perfect, you know, my consulting firm was a perfect example of that. Um, We used to get calls from attorneys all over the country and say, how are you running this massively large firm? You never went to law school. Right. I read a a self-taught attorney. I know as much about this business, if not more than you do. And you've got the $250,000 in student loan debt. Who's smart? (laughs) Yeah, 100%. I'm making $400 an hour. How much are you making? (laughs) (laughs) you got the degree and you passed the bar and i didn't but guess what it doesn't matter Mm, that's so true that's so true and i wish the school system really you know it hasn't changed in so many years and you would think that that it would you know you think that they would teach leadership or entrepreneurship in schools but it's not happening and uh it's it's a real shame it's a real shame they do here in Florida to a certain extent, but they don't really teach it in school. They have a I remember when my son was in um, middle school. So in his early teenage years, they used to have a business course that they would teach at a, at a third party place. Mm-hmm. And but it was it was it was basics, you know, how yeah. to write a check, how to balance <laughs> a checkbook. But right. it really wasn't about how to be in business or how to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I think if more of that was taught. At the earlier years, we'd have a lot more successful entrepreneurs in their 20s. And I'm not talking about the guys that, you know, like like Zuckerberg, who created Facebook and became right. a, a gazillionaire. <laughs> talking about normal entrepreneurs. Those are the, you know, the Zuckerbergs are the exceptions to the rule. Just normal mm-hmm. people that go down yeah. the entrepreneurial path, that don't want to have a job, that, that want to get a taste of what the good life is about, that are willing to work hard for it, that are goal-orientated, that are motivated and self-driven and laser-focused, and, and that becomes successful, whether it's a product or a service, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. We would probably have a whole lot more of that if it was taught at an earlier age. 
But our society, and I don't know the way it is over there in Israel, but our society here in the U.S. is still focused on a college education is the best thing you could possibly do for yourself. Yeah, it's well, mental. it might be, but that's because they're trying to sell student loans. That's yeah. why the student loan debt in this country is, is, is in the trillions, and it's, it's only right behind credit card debt. So, you know, they've created a society of, of indebted people with, with brainwashed ideas that if you don't go get a master's degree in something, you'll never be successful. And that's far from true. I don't have a master's degree in anything, and I'm probably a whole lot more successful than any of those people. Hmm. Je- Joseph, if I could, if I could magically get you to travel back in time and, and you could speak to your 20-year-old self, what would you say to him? I, I wish I knew then what I know now. Um, had, I, had I learned at 20 to be as laser-focused as I am at 60, I probably would have been retired at 30 or 35 instead of 45. Wow. I think I could have cut, I think I, I, I could have cut 15 years off my retirement. Um, wow. It's funny because in the, when I was in my early 20s and I was in business, I was, wa- I, I was watching people make a ton of money in real estate as an example. And I've always had real estate holdings, but I never really became a real estate mogul until 2007. Had I done that back in 1975, the real estate holdings that I bought then would be worth twice as much as the ones I own now. I, wow. I probably would have cut at least 10 years off my first financial retirement. And I, I wish I had I wish I had more mentors back then, but I didn't. And so I had to learn everything on my own. If I knew so if I knew then what I know today, I would have caught I would have changed the cycle dramatically. Hmm. In other words, changing the cycle, meaning that you would get a mentor and you would stay laser focused. Well, I, I, I would have done more things that that um, that I didn't do. And I probably would have done some things a little bit differently. And I would have grown faster. Mm-hmm. Or I would have matured into entrepreneurship faster than I than I did. And so... I probably would have been a lot more successful at a much younger age. Mm-hmm. Not that retiring at 45 is anything to sneeze about, but retiring <laughs> at 30 would have been. Right. That yeah. would have been even a better story. But you would have just gone right back into it anyway. So, <laughs> huh? You would have just gone right back into, into starting another business anyway. So, uh, you know. Well, that's probably, that's probably true. I, I yeah. mean, in, at 30, yes, but... Um, at, at where I'm at, where I'm at today, I mean, you know, my goals today are, are, are pretty simple: is to turn Buzz Pops into a, into basically a, a self-sufficient enterprise, so it can run, be run by my son and our staff in Vegas, and I can I can mentor the business from a limited uh, hourly basis and just uh, spend more of my time traveling to all the places around the world I haven't gotten to see and explore mm-hmm. different peoples and cultures and um, soak up some knowledge with respect to that. I love to travel. And, well, if, you, if you're you know, ever if thinking of... Life, you don't get a have, chance to do that. I've gotten to travel to a lot of places. Have you but, been to Israel? I'm sorry? Have you been to Israel? No, I have not. That's one place I have not been. Well, you've just been invited. 
Well, thank you. I would very much love to come to Israel. Um, well, my grandmother been... wanted to send me there when I was when I was a kid. I have a tree there somewhere. I don't even know where. You I have, have a, a couple tree? of trees planted. Well, there let's in go my name. find. Let's go find the tree. I, I don't even know where to start to look, but I know that when I was when I was young, mm-hmm. um, yeah, back in the days when they were planting trees in Israel. I remember that my grandmother had done that for us, and uh, there's a tree with my name on it somewhere in that country. We're gonna, we're I gonna find it. Find one day. We are gonna find it, Joseph. That's the mission, and uh, the invitation is open. So whenever you want to fly over here, um, I will give you the grand tour, and we will find that. Oh, tree. that would certainly be nice. It's it's always more fun when you travel to places where you know somebody. Yeah, for because sure. I I like to travel like the locals, not like the tourists. And so (laughs) having somebody in a country like that, like we did that in Spain a couple of years ago, Mm -hmm. we have friends there and they just took us from one end of Spain to the other. It was just, it was phenomenal. Same thing in, in Greece and Italy when we were there. It's, uh, it's such a much more fun trip. Right. We we can go from one end, we can go from one end of Israel to the other in six hours. So that, that won't be too difficult. Yeah. You have a small country. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, small country land wise, mass wise. Yeah. So sure. I, I thank you for that invitation, and I may take you up on it one day next year. Um, I'm hoping and I'm looking forward to it. And Joseph, what's the best way um, our listeners can get in touch with you? Uh, people can get in touch with me through uh, uh, Buzz Pop Cocktails, www.buzzpopcocktails.com. They can contact me through um, any one of my Facebook pages uh, at Buzz Pop Cocktails. Um, or they Brilliant. can email me at uh, CEO at buzzpopcocktails.com. Amazing. So I'm, I'm, an easy, I'm an easy guy to get a hold of. I'm, I've got a lot of exposure out there, and uh, mm-hmm. we try to utilize the, um, the modern Internet to uh, make it easy for people to reach me. Well, Joseph, thank you so much for letting me pick your brain, and thank you to all my fellow brain pickers. I'm looking forward to the day when I'll be picking your brain. You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.